0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January twenty-second edition of the Work Comp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron, Manukian, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal just ruled against another constitutional challenge to the IMR process. Saul Zanigio argued that the anonymity provisions of the IMR reviewers violates his right to due process and that the IMR statute violates the guarantee of the right to an appellate review. After successfully appealing an IMR determination and obtaining an order remanding the matter back to IMR for review by a different physician, Sunugia filed a discovery motion seeking the disclosure of the second IMR reviewer's identity. The workers' compensation judge ruled that he could not release the names of the two IMR physicians pursuant to labor code provisions. His petition for reconsideration was denied, so he elevated the dispute to the Court of Appeal, and the Court of Appeal rejected his constitutional challenge and affirmed the WCAB in the unpublished case of Zunigia versus The WCAB. He claimed that without knowing the identities of the reviewers, an applicant is deprived of the opportunity to dispute the findings of the second reviewer on the ground that they were made by the same reviewer whose opinion was reversed. The Court of Appeal responded by noting that under the California Constitution, the legislature is expressly vested with plenary power, unlimited by any provision of the California Constitution to create and enforce a complete system of workers' compensation by appropriate legislation. The grant of authority over workers' compensation therefore supersedes the State Constitution's Due Process Clause with respect to legislation passed under the legislature's plenary powers. The Court of Appeal also ruled that Zunigio's federal due process claim fails as well. The Court of Appeal in the Stevens v. WCAB case concluded that the IMR process, including the confidentiality requirement, does not violate the Federal Due Process Clause. The core of due process is the right to notice and a meaningful opportunity to be heard. When due process must be afforded, the amount of process required is determined by balancing the affected private interests, the risks of erroneous deprivation of this interest, the probable value of additional or substitute safeguards, and the government's interest in the process. Zuniga's arguments did not meet that standard. And now our crime report. Federal prosecutors claimed that Philip Sobal, an orthopedic surgeon, agreed with Michael Drobot, the operator of the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach, to receive kickbacks in exchange for performing surgeries or referring spinal surgery patients to physicians who would perform the spinal surgeries at the Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. Sobal and Drobot concealed the kickbacks through a series of sham agreements, including a management agreement and an option agreement. Sobal received about $5.2 million in kickbacks. In 2015, Sobal entered into an agreement to plead guilty to a two-count information based on these allegations. Sobal further agreed to forfeit the sum of $5.2 million, which he admitted represented proceeds he obtained as a result of the offenses to which he entered his guilty plea. This month, Federal Judge Stanton ordered a money judgment in the amount of $2 million in favor of the United States of America and against Dr. Sobal as part of the sentence to be imposed. He remains to be further sentenced in February. Last year, the United States Probation Office reported that his sentence range was 46 to 57 months imprisonment. But prosecutors say in their sentencing report that the court should apply an additional two-level increase because the offense involved more than 10 victims. His sentencing hearing is currently set for February 16 at 8.30 a.m. before Judge Stanton at the federal courthouse. And in the related matter, a federal judge sentenced Michael Drobot, the former owner of Pacific Hospital in Long Beach, to 63 months in prison. He was sentenced for overseeing a 15-year-long health care fraud scheme that involved more than $40 million in illegal kickbacks paid to doctors for referring thousands of patients who received spinal surgeries. The scheme operated on more than $500 million, led to more than $500 million in fraudulent bills, much of which was paid by the California Workers' Compensation System. 73-year-old Drobot was sentenced by United States District Judge Stanton, who noted that Drobot introduced greed into the doctor-patient relationship. Drobot pleaded guilty to the charges back in 2014. The kickbacks were financed largely by money generated from Drobot's sale of medical devices implanted into state workers' comp patients during spinal surgeries. Drobot set up a scheme that exploited a now-repealed California law known as the Spinal Pass-Through Legislation, which permitted hospitals to pass on to workers' comp insurers the full cost of medical devices implanted in spinal surgery patients. Drobot generated the kickback money through his own medical hardware company known as the Newport Beach-based International Implants, or I2, to sell hardware used in spinal surgeries performed at Pacific Hospital. I2 submitted bills to Drobot's hospital and tacked on an additional $250 per device knowing that the pass-through law required the state to pay the full amount of the invoices. According to the former CFO of Pacific Hospital, Drobot's income, bonuses, and other compensation at the hospital was in excess of $20 million. As part of the scheme, Drobot paid bribes to California State Senator Ronald Calderon in exchange for Calderon performing official acts to keep the spinal pass through law on the books. Former Senator Senator Calderon is currently serving a a three-and-a-half-year prison sentence after admitting that he took bribes from Drobot and undercover FBI agents. In addition to the prison term, which Drobot will begin serving on June 4, Judge Stanton imposed a $500,000 criminal fine and issued an order directing Drobot to forfeit $10 million to the government. As part of the forfeiture, Judgment, Drobot was ordered to liquidate assets that include real estate and a 1965 Aston Martin, a 1958 Porsche, and a 1971 Mercedes-Benz, presumably his exotic car collection. A restitution hearing is set for May 11. Prosecutors have charged seven other defendants in relation to the kickback scheme. A Brea physician who is being prosecuted for being part of an alleged $100 million workers' compensation fraud scam recently had his medical license restricted pending the outcome of criminal proceedings filed in Orange County. The interim suspension order was agreed to by Dr. Andrew Robert Jarminski and went into effect on December 22nd. Jarminski's legal problems date back to criminal proceedings commenced in 2014 by an Orange County grand jury indictment of Karim Ahmed of Landmark Medical Management in Ontario and 15 people, including Dr. Jarminski. The original indictment specifically cast Ahmed as the ringleader, accusing him of hiring pharmacists to produce compounded transdermal creams and paying kickbacks to several physicians and chiropractors, including Dr. Jarminski, for prescribing the cream to their workers' compensation patients. Ahmed's attorneys managed to get most of the counts against their client tossed out of court in 2016, but... The Orange County District Attorney refiled charges and pushed the number of defendants up to 21 people and the alleged fraud ballooned to $100 million. Hearings in the new case are set for February 9 and 26 in Orange County Superior Court. Jarminski had offices in Long Beach and Lawndale when he was first accused of having received $1.9 million in landmark kickbacks. As a result of the events alleged in the criminal prosecution, the California Medical Board issued an accusation against Dr. Jarminsky in June 2017, seeking to revoke his license. But his lawyers argued that staying a suspension is appropriate because he is presumed innocent until proven guilty, and if he is convicted, his license will be revoked by the Medical Board anyway. A former civilian Los Angeles Police Department employee was arrested on suspicion of workers' compensation fraud. 51-year-old Gerald Pulley was arrested on suspicion of the felony-level crime and was released on $20,000 bail with no court date yet set. Pulley had worked for the LAPD for 18 years and was last assigned to the Records and Identification Division. Authorities say Pulley concealed material documentation and exaggerated the extent of his injuries while receiving temporary total disability monetary benefits from the LAPD. Police said Pulley also maintained secondary employment during this time. The LAPD's Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit conducted an investigation that stemmed from a medical claim Pulley filed in 2016. And in regulatory news, the head of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration said it is preparing a new, more restrictive policy targeting what drugs compounding pharmacies can produce that do not go through the agency's approval process. The agency will issue draft guidance in March with new criteria for determining what substances can be used to produce drugs in bulk for hospitals and doctors' offices without individual patient prescriptions. The framework will place more restrictions on what compounders can do. The FDA is also preparing a new policy to give state boards of pharmacy more flexibility to oversee compounding pharmacies that ship drugs interstate. And the FDA is still working on guidance to encourage more compounding pharmacies to voluntarily register with the FDA. According to the American Pharmacists Association, 7,500 pharmacies specialize in compounding medicines. By 2012, the practice had mushroomed, with some pharmacies selling thousands of doses of regularly used mixtures without prescription for physicians to keep for future use. A fungal meningitis outbreak that year caused by contaminated steroids produced by a Massachusetts compounding pharmacy sickened hundreds of patients and killed 76 people. After the outbreak, Congress passed the Drug Quality and Security Act in 2013 to bring more compounding pharmacies traditionally overseen by states under FDA oversight. The law established outsourcing facilities that could register with the FDA, allowing them to sell products in bulk without individual prescriptions while following federal manufacturing standards. The FDA was required to determine that bulk compounding using a drug substance was necessary to satisfy an unmet clinical need and include those substances on a list, but The FDA has not yet developed a final list of those substances and instead adopted an interim policy allowing bulk compounding using drug substances that compounders could nominate for eventual inclusion on this list. Last October, a pharmaceutical company filed a lawsuit against the FDA arguing that under that policy, the FDA had improperly authorized the bulk compounding of hundreds of drugs, including essentially a copy of the plaintiff's blood pressure drug, Vasostrict. Burbank City Council members unanimously voted to approve an alternative dispute resolution process with the Burbank Firefighters Association, with the goal of significantly reducing the dispute process timeline. Officials said the agreement will establish a list of 29 independent medical examiners approved by both the City and the Firefighters Association for use during a medical dispute when filing a work comp claim. An examiner from that list will be required to see that employee within 30 days of a request by city staff. The physician will then be required to prepare their report within 30 days of the appointment. Under the city's current workers' compensation process with other labor groups, it could take up to two to three months to resolve a medical dispute. Workers' compensation costs make up a large chunk of Burbank's overall payroll. According to an analysis conducted by Burbank's insurance broker, the city could have saved about $3.7 million across the 8,545 workers' compensation claims if each claim was reduced in time by 30 days. And in medical news, hospital executives have expressed frustration for years when essential generic drugs have become scarce or when prices have skyrocketed because investors manipulated the market. Now some of the country's largest hospital systems are taking an aggressive step to combat that problem. They plan to go into the drug business themselves in a move that appears to be the first on this scale. Intermountain Healthcare is a not-for-profit health system based in Salt Lake City, Utah, with 22 hospitals, a broad range of clinics and services, about 1,400 employed primary care and secondary care physicians at more than 185 clinics in the Intermountain Medical Group and health insurance plans from Select Health. The organization just announced a bold initiative to establish a not-for-profit generic drug company aimed at ending shortages and reducing prices. It is collaborating with Ascension, SSM Health, and Trinity Health, and with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to form the generic company. The five organizations represent more than 450 hospitals around the U.S. The press release made clear that price and availability are the key issues. The new company intends to be an FDA-approved manufacturer and will either directly manufacture generic drugs or subcontract manufacturing to reputable contract manufacturing organizations. The company will also seek to stabilize the supply of essential generic medications administered in hospitals, many of which have fallen into chronic shortage. The new initiative will hopefully result in lower costs and more predictable supplies of essential generic medicines. Several major hospital systems, including Ascension, which is a Catholic system that is the nation's largest nonprofit hospital group, plan to participate in the new nonprofit company. The Department of Veterans Affairs is also expressing interest in participating, and other hospitals are expected to join in the future. The executive in charge of the Veterans Health Administration said its pharmacy experts have consulted with the other systems about the project and is now working out the details of its possible involvement. And with that story, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news, podcasts, and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the Work Comp Academy with your podcast software. We also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for workers compensation news on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd Scarlett, Minukian, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.